Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 1108 of the Juicebox Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. The cold wind is going to blow today. This time, an anonymous ER nurse is going to share her stories about working in a small local hospital. Each of these cold wind episodes has been eye-opening and somewhat disappointing. This one's not going to be any different. Nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan. If you're looking for community around type 1 diabetes, check out the Juice Box Podcast private Facebook group, Juice Box Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. But everybody is welcome. Type 1, type 2, gestational, loved ones, it doesn't matter to me. If you're impacted by diabetes and you're looking for support, comfort, or community, check out Juice Box Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. When you place your first order for AG1 with my link, You'll get five free travel packs and a free year supply of vitamin D. Drink ag1.com slash juice box. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by US Med. USMed.com slash juice box or call 888 721 1514. U.S. Med is where my daughter gets her diabetes supplies from, and you could too. Use the link or number to get your free benefit check and get started today with U.S. Med. Today's episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Omnipod and the Omnipod 5. Learn more and get started today at Omnipod.com slash Juicebox. I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in 1999. So I've been managing it for 24 years, and I'm currently an emergency room nurse in a small local hospital. 1999. How old were you then in 1999? I was 11. 11 years old. Wow. And how old are you now? At 35. Okay. Type 1, do you have any other autoimmune issues? Before I was diagnosed, I was actually being seen yearly by an endocrinologist. I have vitiligo and also hypothyroidism. Vitiligo. Hypothyroidism. You take Synthroid? Yes. Yep. Any- Since I think I started taking that when I was like six, so started early. Does that run in your family? It does. Okay. Is there any other type one in your family? Um. So my dad was actually diagnosed in his 50s, so just about 10 years ago. Oh, your dad. Oh, your dad after. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Was your dad yeah. diagnosed after you? Yeah, look at that. Yeah. He was 50. Does he have any other autoimmune? He has vitiligo as well, but that's it. There's nothing to do for that. Am I right about that? Yeah, it's just like your skin's discolored. Like it's it's not really like an issue. You're just you sunburn a little more, you're more susceptible to skin cancer, but like it just destroys your pigment cells, basically. So how much of your body would you say is vitiligo impacting? Not much. Like my hands completely and my f- legs from like my knees down, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Is it something you even notice anymore? Not really. Yeah. I did notice, so it's actually, like, progress as I've gotten older, and I've had a few doctors tell me that that's not a thing, but, like, if you look at pictures of me as a child, like, it is a thing, because I had pigment. Like, my when I was little, it was just my feet, and then part of my hands had no pigment, and now none of my hands, and 
most of my leg, like the bottom part of my leg doesn't have pigment. So, wow. That's uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Synthroid. Do you take T3 as well, or just the T4? Just the T4. Okay. All right. So type one diabetes, since you were 11 years old, you're 35 now. That's a good long time to have it. You must know what you're doing with it. Yes. (laughs) And have a good firm grasp of it. Now tell me what it is you do for a living. So I'm an emergency room nurse. I actually went into nursing. Eventually, I'd like to be a diabetes educator. I just started. I'd like to also, though, have like nursing skills. So right now I'm working in a hospital just so I can develop like all the nursing skills. And then eventually I'd like to transition to diabetes education. How long have you been a nurse? Three years. Oh. Were you doing something prior to that? I Yeah. So I, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to be. So I worked in a lot of like treatment center settings with like juveniles. Um, and then I worked while I was in nursing school, I worked at a, a oncology center. So, oh, wow. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out what I want to be still as well. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm getting to it. I'm getting very close. Okay. So you've, you've been in nursing for just a handful of years. Yes. Okay. Now you're on the podcast today. Obviously this is a whistleblower episode and your voice has been changed, which is something I'm, I'm trying to remember to bring up because the technology is so good at this point that somebody might listen to this and think, I know who that is, but trust me, if you think you know this voice, it's not the person you think. It's just, it's been so expertly changed that, that it just seems very natural and normal. But you're on today because, you know, I'll, I'll be vague, but you know, you've listened to the podcast a little bit, but somebody you know listens to it more. I kind of put the word out for this and this person reached out to you and said, hey, I think you'd be perfect for this. Why did they think you'd be perfect for this? So her child has type 1 diabetes. We actually met through my hospital's Instagram page. They like featured me two Novembers ago for Diabetes Awareness Month. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's kind of befriended me. We've actually never met in person, but we talk a lot about diabetes. And one of the things I actually reached out to her for my project for my bachelor's in nursing. I did a presentation at my hospital about diabetes, and I really wanted to gear it towards, it was for the nurses and for the management team, but I wanted to gear it towards like what type one diabetics want their healthcare providers to know, like what kind of things that they find when they're patients that like is very concerning and like hard for them to manage. And so I reached out to this friend a lot through that project. I put a lot of time into the project more than I actually was required to for school, just because it is so important to me. And I reached out to her. I had her because I, so I, I am a diabetic, but I don't have a diabetic child. And so I wanted to know like how parents feel. My mom, you know, I was, di- I was diagnosed in the early 2000s. Like it's way different now. We have Dexcoms. We have things that help, you know, parents to be more hands-on almost with their kids when they're not with them. Sure. So I wanted to know how these current moms of little kids with diabetes feel when their kids are in the hospital. Maybe they're not able to stay with them the whole time. And so I talked with her a lot through that. And then she would follow up with me about this presentation. So full disclosure on this presentation, I presented it to our administration team and all the department like managers in the hospital, they were very involved, asked a lot of questions, but they don't work hands-on with these patients. They're, you know, management. Mm-hmm. When I presented it to our med surge nurses, no one paid attention. People were on their phones. The director and the assistant director were in the back. They'd already heard it, but they were actually talking through my whole presentation. Um, and I just felt like no one was really even paying attention. I actually just ended it early because I 
no one was listening. So, and it was my personal time that I was doing this. Right. She reached out to me. We talked about that. And she, I mean, we both were disappointed in the nurse's reactions to this presentation. Yeah. And we just, uh, since then, I've like the things that I see at work following HIPAA, because I've, you know, I don't tell her names and everything. But whenever I see some of these concerning things regarding mostly type one patients, I'll reach out to her because no one, it feels to me like no one at my job cares. So I'll reach out to her and say, do you find this odd? And then she and I will discuss it and talk about how how sad it is that these healthcare workers that we're trusting with our family members, with ourselves, when we're not able to care for ourselves, don't seem to care to learn how to help us as type ones in the hospital setting. Do you think that they don't care or do you think that they just don't understand that it matters? Both. So as well with this presentation, um, I was asked before it to talk with the ICU nurses about what they would like to know because they take care of these newly diagnosed type 1 patients. So they're, you know, the first real care team past the ER that's helping to educate these patients. And so I went and chatted with a bunch of them and they said, oh, we already know everything. We don't need help. However, I did a little quiz during my presentation about general things that type 1s do every day, carb counting, um, using the insulin pump, adjusting insulin levels for high glucoses, all those things. And they were all so confused by the words I was using that it's obvious that they don't know everything. Mm -hmm. And I think, like you said, I think they just don't understand like how important it is that while, because sometimes the patients aren't there for type 1 related hospital visits, they're there for other surgery or you know, they have another problem that we're treating and type one is just one of their comorbidities. Yeah. And they don't realize that like, we have to still manage it 24 hours a day, whether, you know, we had our gallbladder removed or we had, you know, a knee operation. That's something that they should also be managing. And I just don't think that they understand that like, that's something if we're not alert and oriented and able to manage it on our own, that they need to be paying attention to it for us. Would you guess that they don't know what happens, generally speaking, when a blood sugar gets too low? Do you think Do you think if I asked an ER nurse, you know, could you have a seizure from your blood sugar? Do you think they would know that? Um, some of them. So I actually have two ER stories about low blood sugar that I can share. But I think that they don't understand what it looks like and what it feels like. And honestly, the what could happen if it remains low. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, so in nursing school, at least at my school, you learn so many diseases and you know medical conditions that people have. We talked about diabetes for two hours in my whole two years of nursing school. And it was everything that we learned about was about type 2. And it wasn't differentiated that, hey, type 2 and type 1 are managed differently. Like, they're different treatments and everything. When so. someone says to you, I, know, I don't need this, I know what I'm doing, do you think... What do they mean? Do they mean I know how to take a blood sugar once while you're in the ER and write it down? I think that's what they mean. That I understand what diabetes is, and I know like it has to do with eating sugar and you know checking your blood sugar, and that's about the extent of it. Mm. So if we gave them like even just the I don't know the first ten questions from a CDE test, you think it would just go right over their head? Probably yes. And so from your personal experience being there, why do you think that is? Honestly, there's so much as a nurse and as a healthcare professional that we are expected to know. I think, honestly, I might have too high of expectations for my coworkers because I am type one and it is so important to me. Because if you ask me questions about a certain disease, like 
I don't know, if you ask me about people that with celiac disease, mm-hmm. all I know is they can't really eat wheat and it, you know, I don't know that much about it. So I guess it's it's kind of me having too high of expectations possibly for my coworkers because I don't know everything about every disease that affects people's lives. Sure. However, at the same time, I do feel like I need to have high expectations because if you, you know, well, I actually don't know the answer, but I don't think you can die from celiacs, you know, like as, as you In can die moment. from hypoglycemia. Okay. Like, yeah. So I think, and it also, you know, as we all know, diabetes affects every part of your body. It's not just your blood sugar and what you eat. Yeah. So if we allow these patients, you know, I've had patients handed off to me. Um, I was a floor nurse in med surge before I went to the ER. I had patients handed off to me that their blood sugars have been 300 for their full three days there. That's not okay. And that's damaging to their body and, right. you know, their future to have us not manage their blood sugars. And I think we just don't understand the impact that those three days of 300, you know, are having on those patients. Yeah. And I'm not minimizing celiac, but thinking about it in an ER setting, first of all, you're not eating in an ER setting for the yeah. likely. <laughs> and, and secondly, if you were, if you were actually going to eat, you'd be conscious to be able to say, Hey, I can't eat this. It's got gluten in it. Exactly. That would sort of be the end of it. They'd be like, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. You know, I mean, it's a dietary restriction as much as it is a medical issue. Yeah. I mean, so what are I see what you're saying? So you're you're trying to say, look, and I've I've made this point on the podcast a number of times. I don't know everything about everything either. And you know, you know, if you came in here and said I have you know blank blank blank, I'd go, I don't know anything about that. But I'm not in charge of your health either. So I want to give them credit for the idea that they didn't go to a thousand years of medical school and study each individual disease state for a year. Right. Like I, I get what the job is. The job it's a functional job with a medical like side to it. You're doing tasks, right? Mm-hmm. Doing tasks, you're doing noting, you're going back and forth between the doctor, you know, you're, you know, trained to give people injections or IVs or things like that. Like that's all part of the job. Understanding deeply is not part of the job. But how many things are like type one? Do you know what I mean? Like how many yeah. things are emergent constantly if you do it wrong? Is there, I mean, do, do other things pop into your head when I say that? Like what else falls into this category? Nothing that I can think of. That's why I had such a hard time finding a, you know, a condition that I could compare to type one yeah. that I didn't know about because I'm like, there's nothing like this where like life or death is, I mean, sounds dramatic, but life or death is every day. Like you said, if you do it wrong, like, right. I've had friends that have type one that have died from hypoglycemia in their sleep because, you know, who knows why they were asleep, but they died. Like that's, that is literally life or death. So I asked the question sort of to make the point because you said like, I can understand, but that they can't know everything, but I don't think we're asking them to know everything. I think we're asking them to understand insulin and diabetes. That's that's really it, right? You're not asking for them to have a, a firm grasp. I mean, that would be ridiculous. We're not asking anybody yeah. to have a firm grasp or anything. This is an emergent situation. You made the point. You very well may not be able to help yourself and or, or to even speak up for yourself in that situation. Mm-hmm. And the public has this expectation that I get there and these are the people like they can keep me safe when I can't help myself. Yep. Yeah. My daughter was in the ER recently, two different stays. I, I've probably been asking this of a bunch of people, but it just makes the point so well. Two different stays, thirty uh, about 36 hours apart. So 12 hours, 
about 36 hours later, back in the same ER for 12 hours. So in a 24 total hour stay, can you guess how many times they checked her blood sugar? I would guess when she got there. And then they also do labs that show like their glucose and probably that's it, honestly. Never is the is the answer. It, it, oh, show, it showed up awesome. on our it showed up on our labs, but like yeah. like no one in twelve hours walked into the room and said, "Hey, let's check your blood sugar." Or what is your blood sugar? You're wearing a CGM. Can you tell me what your blood sugar? Is? Never once. And she was on morphine while she was there. And nineteen years old, no one yeah. ever checked on her. Um, something I've seen with the CGM. So I mean, I obviously recognize what they are immediately. I've had multiple coworkers say, oh, I don't trust those because the blood sugar is not accurate. And I'm like, well, you're not even checking. Like you said, you're not even checking your blood sugar. So you might as well glance at it and it'll give you, you know, an idea of where it's at. Yeah. Also, they think it's not accurate because they draw, they do a lab Mm -hmm. and they get that number, which is not the same thing that's being read by the CGM. And yeah, it's different. So it's reading your interstitial fluid, which is going to have a different sugar level than your blood. And also then a finger poke and a blood draw are different because it's different types of blood. Hmm. That's something they should understand as nurses though, that like it's different area. So like, it's not even diabetes, just anatomy. Like (laughs) you should understand that the same blood, like sugar concentration is not going to be in those three different types of fluids right so you said you had a couple of stories about low blood sugars in the er can you tell me one of them today's episode of the juice box podcast is sponsored by omnipod and before i tell you about omnipod the device i'd like to tell you about omnipod the company i approached omnipod in 2015 and asked them to buy an ad on a podcast that i hadn't even begun to make yet Because the podcast didn't have any listeners, all I could promise them was that I was going to try to help people living with type 1 diabetes. And that was enough for Omnipod. They bought their first ad. And I used that money to support myself while I was growing the Juicebox podcast. You might even say that Omnipod is the firm foundation of the Juicebox podcast. And it's actually the firm foundation of how my daughter manages her type 1 diabetes every day. Omnipod.com slash juice box. Whether you want the Omnipod 5 or the Omnipod Dash, using my link lets Omnipod know what a good decision they made in 2015 and continue to make to this day. Omnipod is easy to use, easy to fill, easy to wear. And I know that because my daughter has been wearing one every day since she was four years old and she will be 20 this year. There is not enough time in an ad for me to tell you everything that I know about Omnipod, but Please take a look. Omnipod.com slash juicebox. I think Omnipod could be a good friend to you, just like it has been to my daughter and my family. Diabetes comes with a lot of things to remember. So it's nice when someone takes something off of your plate. US Med has done that for us. When it's time for Arden's supplies to be refreshed, we get an email. Rolls up and in your inbox says, Hi Arden, this is your friendly reorder email from US Med. You open up the email, it's a big button that says, Click here to reorder, and you're done. Finally, somebody taking away a responsibility instead of adding one. US Med has done that for us. An email arrives, we click on a link, and the next thing you know, your products are at the front door. That simple. USMed.com slash juice box or call 888. 888- 721-1514. I never have to wonder if Arden has enough supplies. I click on one link, I open up a box, 
I put the stuff in the drawer, and we're done. U.S. Med carries everything from insulin pumps and diabetes testing supplies to the latest CGMs like the Libre 3 and the Dexcom G7. They accept Medicare nationwide, over 800 private insurers, and all you have to do to get started is call 888-721-1514 or go to my link, usmed.com slash juicebox. Using that number or my link helps to support the production of the Juicebox podcast. Yes, um, I have two. I'll tell you both. You can pick which one you want or use them both. Oh, no, I'm going to. You can tell them both. I just wanted okay. to start with one. That's all. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. So I was a new ER nurse. We had this patient come in through the door. He was older. He was with his kids. He actually had type 2 diabetes. The story they gave us was we were at Costco walking around. Uh, we noticed dad wasn't with us. Um, a, an employee came and found us. He was out in the parking lot wandering around and he fell. And he's acting confused. He's not like this, all these things. So I was the primary nurse, but like I said, I was a new nurse. So I had older nurses that were also helping me. Um, so I'm asking, you know, does he act like this normally? Because we do get older patients that are confused and that's their baseline. They're like, nope, he, like, I've never seen them like this. This is different for him. He has type 2 diabetes. I said, did he, you know, what does he take to manage that? He takes insulin in the mornings. Okay. Did he eat today? They said he ate breakfast around 7. It's now 4 p.m. We didn't have lunch yet. So immediately I'm like, okay, well, that's concerning that, you know, he managed it with insulin. He had a light breakfast this morning. He hasn't eaten since. They haven't checked his blood sugar. We hadn't checked his blood sugar because he just came through the doors. He's sweaty. He's just mumbling, just all these things. And so I said, can we check his blood sugar? And I should back up. Those symptoms also um, are symptoms of a stroke, which hypoglycemia can mimic stroke symptoms. Mm -hmm. So immediately, you know, we are in ER. Strokes are very important that we get them diagnosed and treated as quickly as we can. So everyone in the room is, you know, stroke. This is a stroke. We're going to do a stroke workup. But here I am, this new ER nurse, but this 24-year diabetic that's saying, can we check his blood sugar? Can we, you know, and I'm helping start the IV, I'm in, you know, in the thick of it. So like, I can't run, go get our glucometer and get it. But I'm like asking other people to grab it. Everyone else is like, no, we got to get him ready to go to CT. Fortunately, our health supervisor, who's like a nurse that's over the whole hospital, she came in, I said, can you go grab the glucometer? I'd like to check his blood sugar, which afterwards I talked with my manager about this. And that's actually one of the first things we should be doing with a stroke workup is checking a blood sugar because it can mimic a stroke, like hypoglycemia. Mm -hmm can look like a stroke. So she goes and gets it. I grab a finger stick as they're like willing him away to CT. It's 25. So I turn to the doctor and I'm like, uh, his blood sugar is 25. <laughs> and so he goes, okay, go grab, you know, some D50, all these things. So I ask the CT tech to wait a second so I can treat his blood sugar. And they say, no, we got to get him to CT. And here I am, this new nurse, like, well, I don't want to, you know, harm this patient. If he is having a stroke, I don't want to delay this. Now, having been there almost two years, I would have said, I don't care. We're stopping because I'm the yeah. nurse and, you know, this is my patient and we need to treat this low blood sugar before we do anything else or he's going to die from that. Um, but as this new nurse, I didn't want to, you know, fight with these people that have been there longer than me. Um, and I even asked our charge nurse, I said, Are, shouldn't we give him something before we go? And she said, no, we can do it when he comes back. And again, luckily, this house supervisor was standing there and she goes, I'll grab it for you and I'll meet you in CT. So she grabs it. We go to CT. I give it to him before he takes a seat, all these things. We get back to the room and he's, you know, maintaining appropriately, talking with his family, not sweaty anymore, not weak, you know, all these things. 
because he had low blood sugar, not a stroke. And then the thing that bothers me a lot with healthcare, healthcare, and this is a different topic entirely, but now he gets charged for this huge stroke workup where if we had just waited two minutes in the ER and, you know, given the glucose Mm. and assess that this could be hypoglycemia, not a stroke, you know, we could have maybe made some critical thinking judgments and, you know, tested for the, you know, done the glucose yeah. first and brought that up and then seen if the symptoms resolved. Anyway. Did you say the blood sugar was 25? Yep, 25. And that was a finger poke. So, you know. And you said that out loud. Yeah, I did. And everyone was like, okay, let's go get a CT. And I was like, okay. 25 is bad. So I don't know. That's that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like my expectations for them are too high, but that's something they should understand that that is entirely too low like and dangerous for this man. What percentage of the people you work with are somebody you would trust yourself with? None of them. With a lo- oh, okay. No one in my ER would I trust to manage my diabetes. If I had needed my appendix out, sure. I needed my gallbladder out, sure. But if I was... I've actually told my husband, if I ever am in the ER and I'm confused, like, actually, I say, you need to call my mom because she's been helping me with this, you know, since I was 11. Mm-hmm. And I need someone to be with me the entire time that's helping with my diabetes because I don't trust these people to do it. And you're talking about in an emergency situation. You're mm-hmm. not saying, like, you wouldn't invite people to your house to help yeah, you yeah, with yeah, your yeah. blood sugar. Right, right. In an emergency situation, there's no one there you would trust. Yeah. Doctors? There's a few. So there's one doctor that... If he was my doctor, I would be fine. He's actually, I could tell a million stories about, well, not a million, but he actually, we had a, t- a two-year-old kiddo that just wasn't acting right, all these things. So we did all these tests, did a workout for four hours. Um, he'd had his vaccinations two days before, and the doctor goes, you know, I'm going to ask you to do something that you're not going to want to do, but I need you to check his blood sugar. And me, as a type 1 diabetic, I said, I would love to check his blood sugar, because if it's that, I, we want to know. And I, yeah. it was like 500, so his vaccines had essentially possibly caused him to go and, you know, to have type one. Um, and so he diagnosed it. The only thing this kid was doing that was weird, I would say, is the parents were like, every once in a while, he does a weird little cough. And that's what they were concerned about. And uh, but he, this kid got diagnosed with type one within two days. I mean, you don't know when it starts, you know, but like, yeah, of course, it most likely was the vaccines that triggered it. And then so that doctor, I would definitely let him be my doctor but he saw the oddness as maybe we should check a blood mm-hmm. sugar yeah because the high kid's got a, a, an incredibly high blood sugar yeah. um and and two years old you said yep two years old yeah so there's not a lot of like am i wrong there's not a ton of like testing you can do talking to them at no. that age right to figure out where they're at yeah and okay. we rarely do lab work on little kids like that well so we're not a pediatric hospital we can treat pediatric kids but like if they're sick, they have to go to our pediatric hospital. It's a couple towns over. Okay. You know, we don't, we try not to do blood draws partly because we rarely do them. So like, you know, sometimes we had to poke these kids three or four times, you know, because they're little and they're squirmy and it's yeah. just not our like forte that we're used to. Um, So we hadn't done labs on this kid also because like the complaint of the parents was kind of weird. Like he just coughs every once in a while. And it's not even like a cough. It was like a, he keeps doing this. <laughs> and I'm like, kids do that they didn't notice that he was altered at all he wasn't he was like he i don't know he wasn't i mean i guess with 500 he could have been but like he just like was coughing weird that was really the only thing we saw i mean we're not the parents so we don't know how he normally acts but he was talking to us i mean as a two-year-old can and doing all the things that two-year-olds do that 
I kind of was like, okay, these parents are overreacting. And then luckily this doctor was like, well, let's just check his blood sugar because I can't find anything wrong with him, like in my assessments and everything. Because right, we did right. a chest x-ray. It was like possibly, you know, pneumonia is making him do a weird cough, but. Not the case. Yeah. So if that's the situation for type ones in your ER, mm-hmm. then type twos, if they don't come in specifically for something diabetes related, no one's going to pay a lick mm-hmm. of attention to that, right? No. Right. So diet, nobody's going to offer advice. They wouldn't have advice to offer one way or the other. If I was in there and I was struggling with my type two diabetes, there's no one in the ER that could set me on a good path. Scott, there's no one in our hospital that does diabetes education. That's another issue I have with, since I've worked there for three years, we had a diabetes educator when I started, she worked part-time. I actually started shadowing her and like I was transitioning to be her like backup if she wasn't able to come Mm -hmm. in that time. She quit. She got a better job somewhere. And they just shut the diabetes education program down at our hospital. Um, I talked to our chief nursing officer, who's like, she's the CNO, about that. Because I was like, I'm concerned that literally no one here is doing diabetes education. Like, this is a major type 1, type 2, whatever, you know, whatever kind you have. This is a major illness that is affecting a huge population, you know, in our country. I was like, we don't have anyone that's doing diabetes education for these patients. And then we do. So like, you know, to me, the workaround of it is we have a doctor's group that works with us that are like family practice doctors that their office is down the street. And so like they technically apparently are our education group. So what she said, she's like, well, when they get discharged, we send them to this primary care doctor to do their diabetes education, which I actually personally and as a nurse have an issue with primary care doctors being the diabetes manager, because as I've said, we don't know, you can't know everything about everything. And if you're a primary care doctor, you know a little bit about everything, but you don't Mm -hmm. know enough about diabetes to manage a patient's diabetes. Like you just don't. (laughs) You said it was a small hospital. Is it a small town? So we are like a suburb of the capital of our state. It's a community hospital. So is your ER overwhelmed all the time or not particularly? Not really, because so we're trauma three, which is like, we can't take like critical patients and like, we'll take them if they come through the doors, but if they're coming ambulance, you know, they don't come to us because we'll just transport them somewhere else just because we don't have the extensive, you know, like treatment teams for them. Right. Our ER is pretty full. Like we're pretty busy, but like we see like 50 patients a day. So like oh, okay. I was talking to my cousin who works in um, Minnesota somewhere that he, he works in the yard. They have 500 patients a day. Have you ever spoken to him about this, about the diabetes piece? The is it any different? Yeah. Is it any different where they are in a larger hospital? But that's a good question. I will chat with yeah. him about that. So here's another question. So you're newer, right? You got this job here. You're seeing what you're seeing. There are bigger hospitals close to you. Mm-hmm. Is it in your head to get to one of those bigger hospitals? That's a funny question. So tomorrow I start, I transfer to a bigger hospital. Okay. That's not a funny question. My point, I guess, was going to be, you can't be in that place and watch that level of care and then try to affect it and then watch that not help anything mm-hmm. and then stay. You have to go somewhere else and try again, right? Exactly, yeah. So I've talked to, like I said, the CNO multiple times. Two months ago, we had a sit-down meeting about me. Be- I mean, I, w- I said I would like to be it, but if not me, someone needs to be a diabetes educator at this hospital. Like, it's not fair to our patients to, I mean, what we do is we'll die. We diagnose this history teacher. So, I mean, he's old enough to be a teacher with type one six months ago. He was in our ACU for a week 
guess how much diabetes education he got? Probably none, because I talked to a couple of his nurses and they're like, well, we didn't really know what to teach him. Yeah, they don't know what to do. They wouldn't know what to tell him. Yeah. Newly yeah. diagnosed, type one. I mean, adult. So he's like, what's this mean for the rest of my life? And like, we hardly taught him anything. I, I had him in the ER. I was his nurse down there. And so I basically did the like reassurance, like, you know, you can live with type one. Like, it's okay. It's going to be a lot to learn, but like, you know, your life is you're going to, you know, you're going to be okay. Cause it's a scary diagnosis, but like you can live with it. I've lived with it for 24 years. Like, and so I didn't do a lot of teaching also because you know, that first, the first time you're told you have diabetes, like you're not ready to learn, like, okay, teach me everything I need to know. Like, yeah. and so yeah, personalities are different yeah. in that scenario. Right. And so he went out to the ICU and we, in my opinion, like failed him a lot. And then they, when they discharged, I told him in the ER, I said, if they tell you to go, I just talked about this, but to a primary care doctor to help you learn about diabetes, I said, you need to call your insurance, find an endocrinologist that specializes in type 1, and you need to go see them because mm-hmm. your primary care doctor cannot teach you how to manage your type 1 diabetes. <laughs> not likely. I mean, there may be some that know, yeah. but not, yeah, not likely. Wow. This is, um, I've been doing a number of these recordings, and so far, let me just say, it's not an uplifting experience. Yeah. It's not surprising to me. But the level of ambivalence that you that you explained earlier, that part does surprise me. Like once it's thrown in your face and you go and, you know, you're a nurse in an ER and someone says to you, hey, there's this thing. It's really important. Here's why it's really important. And you start flaking and not listening. That confuses me. Yeah. I bet you it confused the hell out of you, too. You probably thought you were like, I'm like really going to help everybody, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you feel naive when it was over or did you feel let down? I felt let down. Well, and so these are my peers. Like I've been working with them for two years and like, they couldn't even listen to this thing that like, obviously is very important to me as a type one and as a human, like, (laughs) and they couldn't even like, there was one nurse. I got to give credit to her. She paid attention and she asked a question at the end. She's the only one that interacted with me through that whole presentation. And the other thing that's shocking to me People come in with their pumps and their CGMs, and the first thing that most nurses do and the doctors is take those off. We're not going to use those. We're going to manage your diabetes. As we've Mm. discussed, we don't do that. We actually, our hospital does have a policy that allows patients to wear their pump and to wear their CGM and to manage their own, as long as they're not there for like DKA or like something, you know, directly type one related, they can Mm. manage their own diabetes. All they have to do is write down what they did super easy yeah. we're already doing that and uh, none of those nurses even knew that policy existed which is very frustrating to me because we have type 1 patients that should be allowed to manage their own diabetes and they're not allowing that because they just don't care to learn it. it's in our intranet like you can google type 1 diabetes is the first thing that comes up is this policy that allows them to use their own pump and use their own cgm but people just immediately say take it off because mm-hmm. it's a thing it's a thing they don't know about mm-hmm. They don't understand it. It's like in that song, Beauty and the Beast song, what we don't understand scares us. (laughs) Like they don't, they don't want the patient to be doing something that they don't understand. So they're like, well, just don't do it, which is to Mm -hmm. me scary. Actually, I have another story. When I I worked med search first, which is just inpatient, like general medicine. I I worked three days in a row on my first and second days. I was hearing other nurses give report about this patient And they're like, well, she keeps giving herself insulin. She keeps doing this. This thing happened. And so on my third day, I 
heard them giving a report and I said, I'm actually going to take that patient because she had, to, I had heard on music type one, all this thing, all these things about her. I said, I actually will take that patient from you and I'll just have an extra patient. Like, don't worry about mm-hmm. it. I'll take her. So I go talk to this patient. She's in her fifties. She's been diabetic, you know, 40 years. And she explains to me what, what happened to her. So she came in with her insulin pump on. They didn't notice she had an insulin pump on, which is like concerning to me because <laughs> they're in a hard yeah. to miss <laughs> and they should like, we should be doing head to toe assessments on our patients every shift. So like, I don't know how you miss an insulin pump, but anyway, so her pump's giving her insulin. The doctor orders our standard, which again, they ordered the same exact insulin treatment for type one and type two, which is very concerning to me because it's different. What, what do you mean? I'm sorry. What do you mean by that? What insulin so treatment? We do a sliding scale. So you take their blood sugar depending. So we have three different scales, but the general one. So we'll do scale A. You take their blood sugar. It, you They have a little like table at our Pixis, which is where the medications are dispensed. That's like, okay, if the blood sugar is like 100 to 150, don't give any insulin. If it's 150 to two. So it's that normal sliding scale that when I was diagnosed, that's what I did, you know? If it's one, this is like a little blood sugar correction scale, but so, and they, we do not dose for food for type one diabetics in my hospital. There's no like scale. There's no orders for like carb counting or like ask the patient, you know, what they're, what they do at home. There's nothing. We just, we just chase blood sugars. That's the orders we get for type one or type two that you just use the sliding scale. You check their blood sugar. You give them the amount of insulin that they need for that blood sugar. And that's it. Like you don't dose for the food. You don't, you don't do anything else. You just do the sliding scale. And um, we don't right. do like post meal checks, like nothing like that. You just do the sliding scale. And then the next time you check the blood sugar, you ask, I mean, this is not really, but they ask the patient, well, what have you been doing that made your blood sugar high? <laughs> Which drives me crazy because it's us doing it to them. But anyway. I let you take care of my blood sugar. That's yeah, what made it high. Yeah, you guys did it. And so it's not so much about the expectation that some people just are going to be in the hospital because they're sickly to begin with and they don't know what they're doing. So they probably don't know what they're doing with their blood sugar. This is just a, we take this down to a, you won't die from your diabetes if we do this. Mm-hmm. And that's all we care about. Mm-hmm. Nobody's trying to make you better, make you educated, make you healthier in the moment or healthier long term. There's no consideration around any of that in the ER. Yeah. Well, this is on the floor. So even inpatient, this lady was being treated like she wasn't there for diabetes. She was there for something else. So like, we don't care about your diabetes. It's kind of the vibe they were giving. Yeah. And then also, oh, go ahead. I'm I'm sorry. The food on the floor is garbage, right? It's awful. Okay. So another side story. I had a patient in DKA, like you're not, this was in the ER. They're not really supposed to eat like all these things, but she was like adamant that she eat. And so the doctor's like, whatever, just order her a diabetic tray. Um, I called the kitchen myself. I said, I need for sure like a diabetic tray. Like it has to be diabetic, you know, a diabetic meal. They sent spaghetti, a breadstick, pudding, like just normal pudding um, Mm -hmm. and milk. And I was like, cool. None of this is like (laughs) technically what, you know, diabetic. So do you call back down and say, hey, diabetic tray? And they go, no, that is one. Or they said, that's what we have tonight for the diabetic tray. And I was like, cool. Yeah. So the diabetic tray is. Pasta, pudding, bread, bread and, milk. and milk. I was like, oh, okay, well, I don't know what to do with this. I actually went, we have like a fridge for our EMS partners that we stock with food. I went and took a salad out of it because I was like, 
she can't eat this. Like yeah, she's literally be, in DKA. Like she can't have. Yeah, that could be like ninety carbs. Yeah, just me roughly going over it in my head real quickly. Yeah, like I was like, this is insane. So I got her salad. <laughs> not just not diabetic friendly. Not really friendly for your health in any way. Shape exactly. Or form. Exactly. Absolutely fantastic. Oh my gosh, is this upsetting to you? Does it make you feel like you're in the wrong line of work? Like, how does it make you feel specifically? Honestly, just kind of like defeated. Because like I said, for the last three years, I've really been ad- advocating for more. I mean, my very first, so as a new nurse, they do this program where you like, it's kind of like extra school, but it makes you a better nurse. And you, at the end, you have to do a project. So this is different than that project I talked about earlier. That was for my bachelor's mm-hmm. independent of my job. But for this job, you have to do a project. And I did my project on meals for diabetics like and not even knowing that you know about that spaghetti tray just about how blood and i had to present again in front of a group of nurses so how food affects our blood sugar how you know just all the things we do carb counting all that kind of stuff and so i mean so from the beginning of my nursing career not even i mean like i said i went into nursing to eventually be an educator but um from the beginning of this career in the hospital i've been vocal about diabetes i've been vocal about diabetes management Like everyone there knows I have diabetes. Like I actually do have some nurses that that same nurse I told you that paid attention to my presentation. She's actually called me like when I'm off shift and been like, I know you're not working, but will you please help me with this patient? They have a pump and I just need to do this. And like, I'm like, please call me anytime you want, because I would love to help that patient and you to, you know, have a better experience in the hospital. So there's mm-hmm. a few that like have listened and that will come to me and ask questions, but the vast majority, like I said, it's a small hospital. I know almost every single inpatient nurse, the vast majority, in my opinion, don't care. And it's been really disheartening for me, like that I've been so vocal. And so like, if you have quite, I mean, not that I know everything, but I know mm-hmm. 24 years worth of things like that's a long time. It's longer than yeah. some of these nurses have been alive. Yeah, for sure. It's disheartening that like, I've been so vocal and even to admin that I'm like, hey, we're failing our patients because we're not, we don't have these tools for them. And like, just no one cares. Oh, I mentioned, so I met with our CNO two months ago to talk about the need for a diabetes educator. I've heard nothing. She was very positive in the meeting and very like, yeah, I agree. All this stuff. Her brother has type one. So like she gets it. And at the same time, I'm not blaming her because it's a bigger organization than just her. Like there's Mm -hmm. a lot of moving parts to like get this approved and all that stuff. But like, I haven't heard one word about it. And so as I was considering transferring, so I'm just transferring. It's a sister hospital, but it's bigger. Transferring to the ER there too. But as I was considering, like, should I do this? I was like, well, I don't want to let our CNO down because, you know, I've told her, like, I would like this job. Like, I want to be the one that does this for a hospital. And then I was like, well, how long has it been since I talked to her? It was in September. Not to blame her, like I said, but I was like, I haven't even months. heard back in two months. Like, I don't owe this this hospital and, like, my you know, sitting around hoping that eventually they'll see that, like, we're not caring for our patients that have diabetes. Mm -hmm. And like, I can't, I don't, I can't owe them that. Like, I can't just wait and hope for something to change when it's not changing. So let me ask you this. If I put you in charge of the hospital, what do you think would immediately help the people with diabetes to come through there? Well, okay. Every newly diagnosed type one should have like so I never, when I got diagnosed, I never had an inpatient stay. So I don't know what it's like for most mm-hmm. people that get diagnosed. But I would think that, you know, every few hours, there should be some new piece of education that's just the basics of how to manage your diabetes every day. That, you know, yeah. there is a dedicated 
person or a group of people is what I would have done. Because I started thinking about, after I talked to her, like what I would do to change diabetes education in our hospital. Right. I would have created like a task force of like nurses that care and that want to learn about diabetes that they could then, so that there's at least, you know, someone there every shift that has this base knowledge of it. They could go in every few hours to this patient because we don't want to overwhelm them and, you know, do a six hour lecture for, you know, one day, six hours long. But yeah. every few hours go in and be like, hey, now we're going to talk about carb counting. Now we're going to talk about, you know, what to do on sick days. Now we're going to talk about this and just have like, we don't even have like an education packet we can hand them. Like, go home and read this. Like, we don't even have that. It's, I don't even know what we have. It's, we have nothing. Nothing. It's just stuff we print off of like our, like general information about what diabetes is. It's not anything like extensive. And so, I, I mean, that would be the first thing you could change is just having someone in the hospital that knows at least enough to like help this patient to understand their new diagnosis. And then for those patients that aren't, you know, new diagnosis that we're like we talked about before, their blood sugars should not be two and three hundreds their whole stay type one, type two, it doesn't matter. And we're right. doing that to them. Like we're the ones that are supposed to be managing their blood sugar and we're not half the time the CNA goes in and takes it. And like when I was on the floor, they would like tell me, but I was in the middle of something and I'm like, okay, like, what do you want me to do about that right yeah, now? But, yeah, yeah. and I, and at least I understood like, okay, I got to fix that. Like I got to address that, get them some insulin before they eat, you know, all that stuff. But for the most part, I think it goes in one ear or the other, like, cool, thanks for doing that task, checking off that box. Like, I'll get to their meds when I get to it. Like, I have a question that might be difficult because I'm not asking you to tell me what you think people think, but I am asking you if you've heard people say, you know, something specifically. Okay. My question is, of the people who have directly said in front of you why they've become a nurse, what are some of the answers? I mean, is it, I want to help people? Usually. Well, how can they say that? And then when it's their turn to help people go, ah, it doesn't matter if I understand this or not. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how they, I should ask them that, but yeah, I don't think you should. I think that'll be, (laughs) that'll be a quick way to not having any friends at the hospital. Yeah. It just makes me wonder, like if, you know, I, I guess what I was wondering is if you ever stood around with somebody, they were like, I didn't want to be a nurse, but I was good at this or, you know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff Or if people really do start off thinking like big kind of pie in the sky, grandiose, I want to help people. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes more about, getting the tasks done than it does about doing those things in a healthier way. Yeah. Is that basically what it is? And, and other people have been on and talked to me about this. It's an emergency room. They only care about the emergency you're there for. Yep. Right. Well, and even, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this word on your podcast, but some nurses in the ER call themselves trauma whores. They like the trauma. They like the heart attacks. They like the car accidents. They like, we don't get a lot of like gunshot victims in our ER cause it's small, but like they like the like life or death, like, trauma situations but like we talked about before these i have another story about a guy that our one of our maintenance men had a blood sugar of 20 they didn't care about that and i'm like this is literally live or death this like you know in a couple minutes his blood sugar is 20 also that's bill we know him yeah (laughs) yeah 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 so he was fixing our lights in our nurse's station the doctor noticed he was like acting kind of weird I was actually walking to a patient room and I heard the doctor go, Hey, I'll change his name. Hey, Jake, are you doing okay? And I was like, That's weird. 
But I know this guy, he's been in the ER a couple times because he's a newly diagnosed diabetic that hasn't had the education right. he needs for his diabetes. And so he's been in there a couple times with hypoglycemia. And I was like, that's that's weird. I'll check on him when I come back out. I come back out. The doctor and the other two nurses on shift are like holding him on this ladder and they're like yelling for the other doctor and they're like all this stuff anyway. They, they're like, he's seizing on this ladder. He's having a seizure, all this stuff. And so I go grab a gurney. I hit our like code blue button. He's not dying, but like we can't get this 200 pound man off a ladder by ourselves. So right. a couple, like the other doc comes, our security guard comes, all this stuff. I literally, I hit the button. I grabbed the gurney. I go over. I said, hey, he has type 1 diabetes and he has a history of having low blood sugars at work. Like just mm. FYI. So we get him off the ladder. We get him on the bed. We roll him back in the room. And they're like, hey, does he have a seizure disorder? All this stuff, like going over all of a sudden, I'm like, hey, he has a Dexcom. I know he has a Dexcom. Like, can we get his phone? And this guy's awake and he's like fighting us. Like, no, I'm fine. I just need to go back to work. But like, he's not fine. Right. He looks terrible. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And like, he just, you know, was convulsing on this ladder. And I'm like, hey, get his phone. Like, he has a Dexcom. And like, no one's, this was literally last week. <laughs> no one's, no listening, one's listening to me. To like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to tell them. And I, again, this guy like was seizing on the ladder. Like, we don't know. I mean, we don't know why right now. Like we're just trying to help him and figure all this stuff out. But then the security guard comes in and they're friends. And he's like, Hey, you know what's going on? Talking to him. Like, you just calm down, buddy. Like we're helping all this stuff. And so I look at our security guard changing his name to, I'm like, Hey, Sean, get his phone. He has his blood sugar on it. I need to know what it is. Um, Cause mm-hmm. I had tried, like, I didn't want to just like reach in this man's pocket, you know, and get his phone. <laughs> but I, yeah, I mean, sure. I could have, I would have, if I could have, but he was like fighting us. So I'm like, I don't want to get punched in the face. But so the security guard turns to me, he's like, Jake, I need your phone. Like, hand me your phone. And he's like, okay. And he gets out. And I'd asked him a few times and he just didn't do it. Didn't want to do it for you. Yeah. yeah. And so he hands it to the security guard. And I'm I'm like, hey, you know, turn the screen on. His blood sugar is 20, red arrow down. And uh, I was like, I show it to the doctor. I'm like, hey, this is his blood sugar. Like, can we do something about it? Which I'd been saying it. Like, the whole time we're trying to figure out what's, right. it, what's wrong with him. Like, he's diabetic and he, you know, he goes hypoglycemic all the time like let's see what it is and i had grabbed our glucometer and was like gonna do a finger poke but another fallacy i guess you would say about the hospital is they have to have a wristband with their patient barcode on it before you can access the glucose monitor like you have to scan it so it goes to their chart but i'm like can this like i and i've said it a few times and uh, no one really gives me a good answer why we can't just have like a $20 glucometer from Walmart, you know, like that just we could do like an emergency yeah, glucose. Yeah, yeah. So I couldn't check his blood sugar that way because he wasn't in the computer because he was on a ladder. Like he's not a patient anyway. And so I like. True or false? The custodian at your emergency room, if you weren't working, would be better off having a seizure at my house than in your emergency yep. room. Yeah. Because they were like, we got to get a scan. We got to do this. We got to get Kepra, which is a seizure medication. Like, that's not going to fix his 20 blood sugar. And it was his Dexcom, which isn't, you know, in the moment blood sugar. Like, that was, you know, 10 to 15 yeah. minutes ago. Like, I'm anyway. so disturbed that you're describing a bunch of people who don't seem to have critical thinking skills. Yeah. When, yeah. That they follow, like, flow charts in their head. Yep. Right? They hear words, then they do a thing. Yeah. If that thing comes back this way, we'll either do this or this. But nobody can just think. Like, you're standing there yelling out, I'm assuming. Uh, I was yelling. <laughs> common, co- yeah, common sense. He has diabetes. People have said he's gotten low before. I've had him all three times. Well, f- at least three times for severe hypoglycemia. So I know he goes low. <laughs> like, yeah, but yeah. yeah. He's got a glucose monitor on him. We could look at it. 
No order seizure medication. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we're all screwed. Don't get hurt. Yeah, wrap or, yourself in bubble wrap if you're going outside. Get there you hurt go. if I'm yeah, on shift. Yeah. You'll be okay. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. Have the have the wherewithal to run into the ER yelling. Does anyone have type one diabetes yeah. who works here? I only want to speak with you. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's upsetting. It is. You know, it's scary. You're telling a story that's rooted in your in your absolute experience and truth, and people listening are freaking the fuck out right yeah. now. Right? Like, yeah, they're like, well, what do I do if I have to go to the hospital? Don't go. I'm just kidding. That's really bad advice. But take well, someone with you I mean, that knows knows what to help, how to help you. Because oh sure, not if gonna you help have you. a heart attack, and you, listen, I'm going to go over it with you. If you have type one diabetes and you have a heart attack, first find a friend yeah. who knows all about your diabetes. Call them up. Say, hey, I'm having a heart attack. Can you come over to the house and go with me to the hospital? Because I'm afraid they're going to kill me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, great. All right. What about this? If I had written instructions, laminated. And I walked in there grasping them in my hands. Would they be ignored? Depends on who your nurse and doctor are. Could be. So again, we're looking for somebody who'd be able to read it. Yeah, who can read. Yeah. Can I tell you a story? Yeah. My daughter once had exploratory surgery. They just had to go in and poke around in her belly, right? And we're, you know, it's obviously a scheduled thing. But you come in. You, I, don't know, I forget how it was. You kind of came in through the ER. They kind of, they, they got you going there. And then they took you upstairs and, you know, and, and at the first kind of like pit stop on the first floor, they got her ready. They put her in a gown and stuff like that. And I, I look at the nurse and say, Hey, listen, she has type one diabetes. We've gone over all of this with the doctor previous to being here. Do you have all that information? And the nurse said, no, I don't see anything about that here. So that was the first thing I said, okay, well, guess what? She has type 1 diabetes. She's wearing an insulin pump. This is it right here. This has to stay on her. This is where she gets her insulin from. And then the nurse says, well, I don't know if we lie. I said, no, nope, I've already worked this out with the doctor. It's staying on her. O- okay, now she's lost. Mm-hmm. And I said, now this thing over here is a continuous glucose monitor. And she said, okay. And I said, this thing is testing her blood sugar. And it's telling her pump through her cell phone how much insulin she needs or doesn't need. It's literally giving her and taking insulin away constantly in a constant flow back and forth. Look at her blood sugar. And I pulled up her chart. I said, look how steady it is. This is how steady it's been overnight. And like since last night, this device and this device are talking to each other and accomplishing this. I need the phone to stay in the ER close enough to her that by Bluetooth, it can speak to these two devices. We can't do that. And I'm like, no. And she starts arguing, like telling me all the reasons why this can't happen. Like, what God, were right? those reasons? Sorry to interrupt, but what were those reasons? We don't know how to work this stuff. It's not hospital equipment. Like she just started reaching. May I be yeah. honest? She started reaching up her ass for mm-hmm. anything she could think of that would shut me up. That's yeah. what she was doing. Okay. There was no rules. She wasn't following a rule. She was saying stuff out loud so that I would stop talking. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm going to wait till the doctor gets here. We're not going to take this stuff off or let's wait till the doctor gets here. Then she's in a huff. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then another nurse walks in sort of as this is finishing up and she goes, what's this? She has diabetes. And I said, yes. And I just, you don't know me, but I pivot from the one nurse right to the next one. And I just start retelling the story. I'm like, maybe I'll find a brain in this head (laughs) is actually what I was thinking. Right. So I re-explain it again. I'm not exasperated. I'm like, this is this, this is that. Here's what they do. As I'm showing it to her, she recognizes my daughter's CGM. Her friend has diabetes. Mm-hmm. And she goes, oh, my God, my friend wears one of those. I know what that is. 
And her just saying that made the first nurse sign off on it. She goes, oh, okay, then it's fine. What? Like, well, I'm like, what is happening? This is all meaningless. Like, none of this is going to help her. So then I said, okay, I'm like, so all you guys really have to do, and I said, I don't imagine this is going to happen because she's fasting and the CGM and the, all this stuff is working to keep her blood sugar stable. Look how super stable her blood sugar is, et cetera. But you do have to be ready with some fast acting glucose through an IV if she should get low on you in the room. And you can keep her phone if you want and check it that way. Mm hmm. Oh, no, we're going to put her on. A, we'll check her blood sugar intermittently while we're in there. I'm like, this thing is trying to tell you what her blood sugar is constantly. It's like this whole job, you know? Yeah. The first nurse leaves. The second nurse is like, it starts telling me about her friend as if this is of any comfort to me at yeah. all. Her, my friend has diabetes. And I'm like, oh, fantastic. Then the doctor shows up and she goes, yeah, it's going to be fine. I'll get the, anest uh, the uh, anesthesiologist in here to talk to you about it, blah, blah, blah. So then the anesthesiologist comes in. And by the way, the doctor was great. And we had talked about it ahead of time, mm -hmm. but she didn't do any of the things that she said she was going to do, like making the hospital aware and all that stuff before. Like, that never happened. Yeah. And so now the, the anesthesiologist comes in, and I say, look, this is how all this stuff works. And he goes, okay, well, we're going to want you to shut off the algorithm. And I was like, dude, the algorithm is what's keeping her from getting low. And he goes, yeah, but if her blood sugar starts to go up, it's going to, like, it'll give her insulin. I was like, yeah. But it won't give her too much. It'll give her the exact amount it needs for the rise in the blood sugar. Yeah. No, we're going to really need you to shut the algorithm off. And I said, okay. And I said, but you'll keep the phone near her, right? And he goes, yeah. And they actually put it. He's like, we're going to put it in this bag. Like, it's like a, I guess it was a clean bag or yeah. something like that. So he says, go ahead and shut the algorithm off and then put it in this bag. And I got to be honest with you. I took the phone and I swiped my finger around it a couple of times and pretended to shut the algorithm off and then stuffed the phone in the bag and stuck it under the gurney. And that's what you should do. Because yeah. if they have a patient that has a functioning pancreas, guess what's going to happen if their blood sugar starts going up? Their pancreas is going to give them insulin. So, like, I swear <laughs> to you, I, just, I was like, it's fine. And then I just stuck it under there. And guess what? Everything was fine. Yep. Everything was fine. Yeah. And they weren't checking her blood sugar there. Although, no. I want to give credit to the anesthesiologist who apparently got in the room was intrigued by the whole thing and pulled Arden's phone out and left her Dexcom open. I had that same experience, kind of. I had surgery last summer and I was terrified, especially now being in the medical field. I've had like my gallbladder. I've had a couple surgeries prior. I didn't really know to be scared. Now I'm terrified. <laughs> and so I had this, it was like a minor surgery, but I was still, you know, put under. And um, I was terrified that my blood sugar was going to go too low. It was 134 when I went in. I still mm -hmm. remember. Right. And my husband was there, but, you know, he couldn't go in the room. He also, like, it's a lot to learn, and we've, you know, he, he gets overwhelmed. But anyway, so I'm, like, telling the anesthesiologist, though, I was like, bro, my, like, I'm diabetic. I need you to watch my blood sugar. I also need you not to take my pumps. I, I had an Omnipod at the time. I'm like, I need you guys not to take my pump and my decks come off because I need them on when I wake up. And also they're expensive. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. please do not touch them. And he was like, oh, do you have your phone? I'll just watch your, like, I was shocked. I should talk to him more, but he goes, if you have your phone, I'll just watch your glucose for you. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? How did you like, like you're saying, how did he know it was on my phone though? Like, I mean, you, you would found hope one. a medical professional knew. Yeah, but you found but, one. You found one yeah. that knew. That's all. Yeah, but yeah. and then I didn't even have my phone, so I was like, "Well, my husband has it." So, so I was like, "Please just don't let me die." And he's yeah. like, "We got you." But anyway, and it was fine, but it was terrifying. Mm -hmm. Well, I listen. I appreciate you coming on and telling these stories. It, it's it's upsetting to think that 
that you can't find administration that's even interested in the education. Like they listened to you, but then when they gave you the chance to talk to somebody else and nobody was paying, people really knew you had diabetes and went on their phones while you were talking. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, the, this is what like devastated me the most, but the manager who was my manager when I started and then the, her assistant who was a floor nurse with me, we're in the back of the room talking and laughing the whole time. And so like, I, that's when I just shut down and stopped. Cause I'm like, are you laughing at me? Like, are you laughing that I care about? And I'm sure they weren't. I'm sure they weren't even listening, yeah. but it was just like devastating to me that like these people that, you know, were my supervisors and a nurse that trained me, like they can't, e- I know they heard it before in the other meeting, but I'm like, you can't even sit here. It was a 15 minute presentation. Mm-hmm. Like you can't even sit here. And it wasn't boring. Like I felt like it was pretty good. Like, you know, presentation that like would interest people. I was like, you can't even watch for 15 minutes and set the example for your, the rest of your staff to like, listen to this. So like, obviously it's not important to any of you except the one nurse that listened and asked a question. Right. I mean, it's disappointing. I just, I mean, by the way, not surprising, just disappointing. Mm -hmm. I don't, and I don't know why I can't for the life of me. I can't figure it out. It's not a thing that it would take it wouldn't take a nurse that much time or effort to actually learn about diabetes type one, type two, and the management of it. It just mm-hmm. it, and and you might really help people. You mm-hmm. know, like I I make this point all the time, but whether you're type one or type two, if you go to a hospital setting where your expectation is the people around you really understand this, and they don't seem that concerned if you're having pasta and bread and milk. Then you go home thinking, well, this is okay. Pasta, bread, mm-hmm. and milk. This is an op- this is the diabetic food that they gave me at the hospital. And if you're a type two, I mean, that could be disastrous if that's what you yep. think is okay. And the same thing goes for type one. My doctor tells me I got to check my blood sugar every couple of hours or after I eat or before this, but the nurse never checked it. I must not even have to do that. And and you just you lead somebody on a bad path. And that that that's that. Like it just it, you're you're a you're supposed to be a good example. I mean, at the ver- I, I might, that might sound Pollyanna and like I'm five years old, but if I can't expect doctors and nurses to be good examples about managing diabetes, who am I looking for? Like, who do yeah. I look to for this then? That's that's all. It's horrible. No, well, yeah. Jesus Christ. This is, this is the best and worst idea I've had since I've been making this podcast, by the way. I'm like, I'll have people come on. I'll change their voices so they can say what they want to say about uh, healthcare. And now it mm-hmm. just bums me out every time I do one of these. You just hear terrible things. I have like 16 more stories that <laughs> would bum you out more and more and more just for three. That's the thing, like three years. I've been a nurse three years and I have multiple that's, stories. Uh, of, and every single story except for one is about a type one patient, which is like so concerning to me that like, we don't understand this. We don't know what we're doing. And every story usually is the patient that speaks up that like saves themselves basically. Like, right. it's so scary. Well, well Sorry, real quick, just one Do patient it. had surgery. The doctor put him on a like a fluid drip afterwards, and he was actually my neighbor. So I went in to say hey, and uh, I wasn't his nurse, but I was like, when I was talking, he goes, "Is there sugar in my IV bag?" I asked my nurse, and she said no. But my blood sugar is four hundred, and I was like, "Well, let me see what fluids you're on." Um, it was like potassium, saline, and dextrose, which is sugar. And I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Like your nurse said no. It's literally written on the back. And your blood sugar is 400. Like, something's wrong. But anyway, it just, like, just stuff like that. Like, were they keeping his blood sugar high on purpose? No. It just, so I texted the surgeon, which I shouldn't have because I wasn't the nurse. 
And that's the thing. The surgeon's not in the hospital. They're like managing these patients, but they're like not there in the on the floor. Right. So I like text them. I'm like, hey doc, uh, his blood sugar is 400. He has type 1 diabetes. You're giving him D5. And he's like, yeah, just take it down. So like he didn't like the doctor would have known, like if he would have thought about it, he would have been like, maybe I shouldn't get this type 1 diabetic dextrose in his fluids. Mm-hmm. But it's the it's the fluids he gives to all his patients. So I knew why he was giving it, because yeah, he yeah. just orders out for every patient. Because post-surgery, you know, you want them to have those you know supplements and stuff and the the electrolytes and the fluids but like he's type one so you actually don't want him to have that because now his blood sugar when he goes he's like i've been trying everything i can't get it down i'm like well that's because we're literally feeding you with sugar through your IV. so because we're shooting a fire hose (laughs) a fire hose of liquid sugar at you and you don't have a fire hose of insulin to shoot back with um can i ask yeah i want to ask a question and see where you stand on this if you had a strong feeling i'm trying to find out if nurses are a little demoralized if you had a strong feeling, is it difficult to go back to the doctor and advocate for the patient? Mm, not, not for me. So another story real quick. Sometimes in the ER, we hold the floor patients because the floor is full and they, there's no room for them upstairs. So I had one the other night. He actually was not diabetic, but he had high potassium, which you give all these meds. But one of them that we give is insulin because insulin and potassium work together in the body. We don't need to get into all of it. But we give insulin to them to help lower the potassium, but we're also giving them the IV push glucose like to mm-hmm. like counteract that. He transferred from the ER doc to the floor doc. He reordered all this stuff. Like I just give him the, I give him all this stuff. And so I text the doctor and I'm like, hey, I just gave like all these meds an hour ago. Like, are you really want them again? And I'd actually asked our our ER doc because they're a lot nicer to us because they know us. And I was like, should I do these again? He's like, you should ask Dr. Smith because, you know, he like, I wouldn't, but he's the doctor now. So I text him, like, you really want me to give him all? He goes, I ordered it, didn't I? And I was like, okay, well, like, I just gave him the insulin and everything, too. And he hasn't eaten since, like, noon, and it's, like, 10 p.m. I'm like, do you, like, do you want me to be monitoring his blood, like, his blood sugar? And when he came in, his blood sugar was 62, which is okay, I guess, for, like, he doesn't have diabetes or anything, you know? So, like, he hadn't eaten all day, like, mm-hmm. normal, I guess. And so, like, his blood sugar was 62 when he came in. Should I be watching this? And he just writes, we're texting because it's easier than trying to get them on the phone. And he goes, nope. And I'm like, okay, well, like, I'm a little concerned about it. And so, again, I go to our ER doc and I'm like, hey, um, he told me no, like, that I shouldn't be watching his blood sugar. But, like, I'm concerned about it. Like, it was 62. I gave it, so we give 10 units of insulin IV. Like, I've given that to someone in DK and they've dropped like 300, you know, from like 500 to 300 in a couple hours. Like, right. kind of scary. Like, you know, they're just like to anyway to non-diabetic, like giving them that much insulin. Yeah, it like, felt like a lot. Concerning, and it's what we do. Like it's the protocol. But I'm like, I just want to watch his blood sugars too. And my eat, I would let this doctor take care of me too. I said just the one, but there's two that I would trust. He goes, if you feel like you need to watch his blood sugars with like finger pokes, you watch his blood sugars. He goes because if doctors write you up for that, like he has no ground. You know, like if that's something because he told you no. Because I was like, well, he told me no. So I'm going against doctor's orders. Right. And he goes, if something comes of it, which nothing came of it, but he goes, if something comes of it, like any person is not going to fault you for like watching out for your doing patient. the right thing. Yeah. Well, that's and good. so I went, I went and did a finger poke. It was 52. So I'm like, cool. I'm not going to give you insulin right now. You're going to eat dinner is like 10 PM, but I just got him some food. Then we'll do this. Like, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And then we checked it. I waited an hour, checked it again. It was like 172 Cause we'd given like the push glucose. Like anyway, mm-hmm. but yeah. No, I so I don't feel scared because I'm like, I'm not going to kill this patient because you are such an ass. This doctor. So <laughs> like, you're so, do you think you're so smart 
that like you know i ordered it didn't i like i whatever, right. i know what i'm doing and i was like well obviously you do know what you're doing but also not interested in not that conversation yeah, yeah not interested in like hey why are you asking me that maybe there's a reason yeah. that you have this feeling i'd like to hear mm -hmm. it none of that yeah Okay. Yeah, so all right. Well, I'm not scared, especially when it's diabetes really, because I'm like, I'm not gonna be the reason this patient dies or like, right. you know, has severe side effects because I felt I knew I should do it and I knew it was something I needed to watch and I just didn't want to upset the doctor. Like yeah. I'll quit my job before I do something that I know could hurt a patient. So well, I hope you get to the next hospital and find a different situation. I really do. I I but I have to tell you, I don't think you're going to, but I really, I, I really do hope that you do just maybe for your own sanity. And I appreciate very much you coming on and, and doing this for me. Thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. Very cool of you. Hold on one second for me. A huge thanks to Omnipod, not just my longest sponsor, but my first one, Omnipod.com slash juice box. If you love the podcast and you love tubeless insulin pumps, this link is for you, omnipod.com slash juicebox. Arden has been getting her diabetes supplies from U.S. Med for three years. You can as well. usmed.com slash juicebox or call 888-721-1514. My thanks to U.S. Med for sponsoring this episode and for being longtime sponsors of the Juicebox podcast. There are links in the show notes and links at juiceboxpodcast.com to U.S. Med and all of the sponsors. I also want to thank all of the brave and kind people who are coming on and sharing their anonymous stories for the Cold Wind series. If you are in healthcare or in some way impacting people's healthy lives and you want to tell your anonymous story, reach out to me through juiceboxpodcast.com. If you're looking for community around type 1 diabetes, check out the Juicebox Podcast private Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. But everybody is welcome. Type 1, Type 2, gestational, loved ones, it doesn't matter to me. If you're impacted by diabetes and you're looking for support, comfort, or community, check out Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. The episode you just heard was professionally edited by Wrong Way Recording. WrongWayRecording.com if you're not already subscribed or following in your favorite audio app, please take the time now to do that. It really helps the show. And get those automatic downloads set up so you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.